Well, hey, uh, so I, like Danny was saying, we've been in this uh, series we're calling Go, and I'm going to be continuing that this morning. And um, for those of, you, uh, those of you that weren't here last weekend, I want to strongly encourage you to uh, either grab a copy, of, uh, a CD of the message. We have just a few left. We'll have more for next weekend. But either grab a copy or go online and listen to Danny's message from last weekend. It was uh, uh, a real zinger. It was on social justice. And I know... Uh, it was very challenging, both for myself and I've spoken with many of you. And, uh, uh, and haven't you found this series to be quite challenging? I know I've talked with a lot of people. And well, this morning, I'm going to continue to tighten the screws uh, as we look at another aspect of discipleship. And what we're going to look at today is, dis- uh, is family discipleship. And my hunch is that I may have just lost a chunk of the room when you hear that title. Because rightfully so, you might be sitting there going, well, I don't have any kids. Or I'm not married. But here's the thing. When you say yes to Jesus, you don't just enter into a relationship with Jesus. It isn't just you and Jesus. But when you say yes to Jesus, you enter into a relationship with his family. right? This massive family of God. And really it's a family that has the desire that everyone on planet earth would join this family. And one of the things that we see uh, all throughout the Old Testament, just in the way that God deals with, uh, with his family, with the people of Israel, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this general call to to uh, uh, to care for the greater family, not just your you know small f family, but the greater whole, the greater family. Uh, Deuteronomy six verse four says this: Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And there's this, what we see in that text is there's a command, really, for the older generation to to disciple the younger generation. So what I'm going to say this morning, does does it pertain to parents? Of course it does. But it also is applicable to anyone here that has kids, stepkids, grandkids, uh, younger brothers, younger sisters, nieces, nephews. Are there kids that you coach? Maybe you work in our high school, middle school, or kids ministry. Can you think of anyone younger than you that you have some level of influence in their lives? Yes? If you can, well, then this message, uh, this message is for you. And one of the things, you know, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, one of the really cool things is at some stage we all get uh, the opportunity to be, and this is in your notes, to be spiritual parents. And here's what I mean. I know lots of single people who have, have uh, no kids of their own, but they have lots of spiritual kids. Do you know what I mean? There, that, there's, that there are people in their lives that they are investing in, that they're discipling. I know lots of married uh, people that have no kids of their own, but they have lots of of spiritual kids that they're investing in. I remember growing up, and especially in my teen years, uh, I don't know why, but it, it, it bugged me, but so many of my friends would call my parents mom and dad. Right? I don't know why. It's, uh, maybe, it had nothing to do with insecurity, of course, but... <laughs> but uh, I think my parents understood this and modeled this, that they had a responsibility to the next generation. And I can remember my friends would come over and my parents would love on them. They'd be, 
you know, they'd be interested in their lives. They would feed them. I think that was uh, the biggest hook. But uh, they, would, um, they would invite them to church. They would tell them about Jesus. They would, you know, they would offer to, to pray for them. And, and as I look back, I realize they had an understanding not only of the opportunity but of the responsibility for the older generation to pass on to disciple the next generation. So today, I'm going to be looking at uh, really four pillars of truth, four truths about God that we get to uh, pass on to the next generation. But here's, here's the thing, and, and for many of us, I think this will be the place that God you know, uh, leans into this morning. Remember, remember the old saying, uh, make sure I get this right, do as I say, not as I do. Right? Do as I say, not as I do. Well, in this command of God for the older generation to disciple the next generation, nothing steals our ability to teach more than when our words don't line up with our actions. Right? Listen to this quote. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, as a dad, uh, as, you know, as I look at this, this command, this responsibility for the older generation to, to disciple the, the next generation, this is a stinger because I realize as I look back at how much I've blown that. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I realize how much I continue to blow that. But, and especially for you A-types, especially for you, you know, <clears throat> perfectionists here this morning, Remember that the goal in following Jesus is not perfection. The goal is obedience. And we need to remember that it's God's job to change us, right? And it's also God's job to change the next generation, your kids, your spiritual kids. And, and what we're going to look at today is that wise parenting, wise discipling is trusting in that truth, that promise of God that he's the one that changes He's the one that matures and molds and forms. So as we trust in that, that, that really this whole thing of discipling the next generation is us staying on that path with Jesus and then just inviting the next generation to come and walk the journey with us. And that is family discipleship. So let's pray and then uh, we'll get into these four points. So Lord, I, uh, uh, I just thank you for a brand new day and even looking out at, at, at all these people, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for uh, just this gathering of people that you have built and, and drawn here. And I pray today that you would, uh, you just come and walk among us. Lord, you know us. You know what's going on in all of our lives. You know what we need today. And I pray that, uh, that there would be something for everyone. There would be something for everyone to, uh, to take home with them. Father, just come have your way in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now just the nature of this message, I'm going to be jumping around a lot, but if, uh, if you want to grab a Bible, there's Bibles at the front and also at the back. Uh, you can, well, you could try to follow along, but all the verses will be up on the, state, or up on the uh, screens. But number one in your notes says this. Okay, these are four truths about God. Number one is God is with us, Right? God is with us. We get to pass on to the next generation that God is with us. And, you know, just think about that. God isn't sitting uh, a zillion miles away, you know, on this big old throne with like a boatload of 
TV monitors in front of him, and he's looking, oh no, Hansen's preaching, you know, get some angels down there, this, this can't be good, and you know, he's not, right, we get to pass on this, this incredible truth that God is with us. And if you look at the, the verse, really, that's, that's driving, or the verses that are, that, that are driving this series, uh, the, you know, it's known as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, it totally points to this truth. Listen to this. Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now think about that. You know, those are the last words in the book of Matthew, and and, uh, we don't know were those the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples? I mean, just think of it. There, you know, okay, you guys, I have said a lot of things to you, and I'm getting ready to leave to go back to heaven, and you're getting ready to go and do what I've told you to do. Here are the last words that I want you to remember. Be sure of this, that I am with you always. That truth, that amazing promise of God, we get to pass on to the next generation, that you are never alone, that God is, is always with you. So now as the older generation, we can, you know, whoever to our kids, our spiritual kids, we can say that to them, but again, do as I say, not as I do. We want to, we, how then do we uh, model that? How do we do that? How do we walk that out in front of the next generation? Well, this may sound simple, I, I really believe one of the ways that we walk that truth out that God is with us is through prayer, right? And I don't mean just, just the act of prayer, but what I mean is, uh, is how we pray. And, you know, I remember uh, growing up, I know I've said this before, but I, you know, I felt like I was at church all the time. And I can remember as a kid, uh, we would go, and I think there were Wednesday nights, but it was like a Wednesday night Bible study. And I, I know my parents, they always, whenever I preach, they always listen and we talk and they comment. So mom and dad, I know you're going to hear this, uh, but those were really boring for a kid. Right? What I would have done for an iPad or, you know what I mean, something. But, uh, um, but I can remember as a kid sitting in a room where basically I got to listen to adults, right, to the older generation. I got to listen to them pray. I got to listen to them talk to God. And I can remember there were some people that when they prayed, uh, even as a kid, it just sounded like they were reading out of a phone book. Well, Lord, we just thank you for today, and uh, it's great to be here, and uh, help me to sound really impressive as I pray, and, and I hope this meeting doesn't go too long, and then we get out of here so I can go get something to eat. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? Now, I know I'm probably judging. Well, I guess I am. But, the, but I, as a kid, from a kid's perspective, that's how they sounded to me. But then there were some people that would pray, and even as a kid, I would listen to them, and, and, and the way that they prayed would just make me, it was like, I can remember, I, could, I would just sit up and listen. Something would stir inside of me, and the difference was this. When I listened to those people that would pray, that it was like, when they prayed, it's like they really believed they were talking to God. It just came through in how they prayed that they really believed he was right there in the room. The way they prayed, it, 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 it pointed me as a young man at, that, that they really believed that God was there, that God was listening that God cared about what they were saying, 
that God actually could do something about what they were asking him to do. And, I, and you know, I'm not saying that prayer was better than the other prayer. I guess I sort of am. But, but as a young person, there was something about the familiarity. There was something uh, in that prayer that was so, uh, so attractive to me as a kid. Now, do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I know we've all experienced this, where let's say you're in a room with someone that you know, and they're on the phone, right? They're talking to someone. You can tell the difference if they're talking, uh, whether or not they're talking to a stranger or if they're talking to someone that they really know and have a relationship with, right? You can, you can tell the difference. There's a difference in the tone. There's, the, there's a difference in the words that they use. See, in one of the ways that we can model this truth that God is with us in, in just how we pray. So let me ask you then, how do you pray? Do you pray? Right, when you talk to God, do you talk to God like he's really there? Do you talk to God like, like you believe he's really listening, that he, that he cares about what you're saying? Do you talk to him with, a, you know, with a, that, a, a belief that he can actually do something about what you're you're, you're praying to him about. You know, if you struggle with prayer, let me encourage you to, to, uh, to develop a, a, a really simple, but I think a very uh, powerful habit in your life. When you wake up in the morning, I, would enc- I encourage you literally to start a conversation with God when you wake up. You know, maybe it's after your coffee, whatever, you know, when you're conscious. Morning, Lord. Thanks for a new day. And then, I mean, this, I know this is simple, but I promise you this, you know, or your money back, that if you will start a conversation and spend your day, right, you're on the phone with God all day, and you'll forget about it, don't worry about it, oh yeah, that's right, and just keep this conversation going, and keep it going till you go to bed at night, and you say, good night, Lord, thanks for a great day. I guarantee you that that will deepen and grow your prayer life. So uh, how do you pray, but also uh, when do you pray? And, and this whole thing of the older generation, you know, discipling the younger generation, one of the things that I know my wife and I, I I'm pretty sure we, I know we taught it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we modeled it uh, for our kids, is that you can, you can talk to God uh, anytime about anything. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5, one of my favorite scriptures, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. I mean, I love that about God, that there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small that you can, you can turn to him uh, for. And, you know, I remember, uh, this is many years ago, when we, we just had one, we have two, two sons. Uh, we just had our one child. He was four, and, and Helen was pregnant with our second. And we were on a vacation, uh, and, and we, were, we were out somewhere, and our, our son had to go to the bathroom so I took him into the men's room. It was, you know, uh, uh, we went in there, and he, he's four. He knew what I was doing, so he went into the, to the, uh, uh, to the restroom, you know, the cubicle, and I, and I closed the door. And I, as a dad, I sort of stood guard, you know, while he was in there. And, and all, men are coming in and out of the bathroom. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And and, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, uh, as I'm standing there, all these men in the bathroom, I hear this little voice from the cubicle, and he goes, "Dad, you need to pray because it's not coming out." right? Word for word. I'm not making that up. And as a dad, my first reaction was, oh my word, I can't believe he just said that. 
But then I remember thinking, wow, that's so cool that he actually believes that God would help him out, you know, help, you know, move things along, so to speak. But that leads, that leads up to our next point, and no pun intended, but number two, uh, number two is God is our helper. So God is with us, God is our helper, and what we see, again, all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there are loads of verses that, uh, that, that acknowledge, that point to just how weak and needy we are as human beings. Right? There's, I'm sure you have verses going through your mind right now. Right? So there's lots of those. But there's also loads of verses that are tip, you know, normally follow those verses up with, with reminders that God's plan in our weakness, in our neediness, is to come alongside and, and help us. You know, again, I remember growing up, uh, my dad uh, was a mechanic, and he was a mechanic back in the days when, when you know, uh, if you had, a car had issues, you couldn't take a diagnostic tool and, right, and plug it in, and it would talk to the car's computer, and it would tell you, you know, uh, what was wrong with the car. In those days, you had to troubleshoot. You had to, you had to figure out what was wrong with this car. And I can remember sometimes at breakfast, my dad coming down, and he would say, uh, he would, literally, he would say, last night... God told me how to fix that car. And I don't know, uh, I don't know if he had a dream. I don't know if like, God spoke to him. Or, but I, I remember, again, as a kid, as the younger generation, looking at the older generation thinking, well, really? <laughs> like, with, with all that God has going on, he, you know, he's going to come and help this guy fix a car? Like, really? Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What an amazing promise we get to pass on to the next generation that God is your helper and he wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. So again, we can say that, but how do we model that? How do we walk that out for the next generation? Well, as the older generation, we need to let the younger generation see how we handle failures and struggles. Does that make sense? We need to with wisdom, open the doors of our lives and share with the younger generation, oh man, let me tell you, let me tell you about some things I'm afraid about or I'm confused about. Again, with wisdom. I mean, I wouldn't unload on a child, well, you know, marital struggles. or You know what I mean? You don't want to frighten a child or overwhelm someone younger. But, but with wisdom, to open the doors of your life and to say, uh, you know what, I have struggles and fears and things where I've blown it just, just like you. Because like for the sake of discipleship, let me, let me show you where I struggle. And let me show you the ways God has come alongside me to help me in those struggles. I mean, have you ever experienced when someone that, that you look up to, someone that you respect, someone that when you look at them, you go, uh, Man, that guy, that gal, they've just, they so have it together, right? 
Have you ever experienced where that person turns to you and says, hey, they open the doors a bit and say, hey, let me share a weakness that I have. Let me share with you, you know, a, a part of my life where I struggle. Let me share, again, let me share how God has met me in my failures. Like, have you ever had that happen to you? Isn't that super encouraging? I'm convinced a lot of the discipleship in my life has been when people that are, that are further down the road have turned around and said, oh, oh, I see where you're stuck there. Well, let me tell you about a time in my life where I was stuck there, right? Opening the doors of our lives. And Rick Warren has a, has a quote, lots of quotes, but he said this, when we share our victories, we nurture an environment of competition. But when we share our failures, we nurture an environment of community. Again, it's that inviting the next generation into this journey with us. You know, one of my concerns for our culture is that not only do uh, we, as the older generation, uh, struggle to, you know, to open the doors, to show our, our, our failures, and etc., to the next generation, but we're also working really hard to guard our kids from any failure or struggle. Right, listen to this quote, a guy's named Tim Elmore. He said, we work hard at preparing the path for the child instead of the child for the path. Right, so let me talk mainly to, to parents right now. I mean, do you let your kids fail? Do you let them struggle? And again, with wisdom. Well, he wanted to play on 71. It's like, <laughs> with wisdom, do you, do you let your kids uh, fail? Right? And now, parents, don't raise your hands, okay? But do you do your kids' homework for them? Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's nuts. Nobody would do that. Do you know that that's a growing trend in this country where parents, like right now at, at Starbucks, or, you know, in, in greater Columbus, there are lots of parents there doing their kids' homework. See, it is not bad parenting to let your kids fail. It is not bad parenting to let them struggle. It's not bad parenting, parenting to let them feel the sting of consequences. Right? But here's the beauty of, of discipleship, of this you know, family discipleship. What a gift, though, for your kids, for your spiritual kids to go through those struggles in an environment where the promises of God are being taught and modeled. Like, yeah, oh, it's tough, isn't it? But don't forget, God is with you, right? Oh, I know, that hurts, doesn't it? Boy, you're going to have to stay up late tonight. You're going to have to finish that. Oh, you don't get to go, right? But don't forget, God's with you. God's your helper, and he can help you in this situation. So God is with you. God is our helper. Then number three is uh, God is in charge, and you know, uh, when we say yes to Jesus, when we enter into a relationship, we be, you, know, you become a disciple, one of the common prayers, at least I was raised with, was we would say you need to ask Jesus into your heart. Right? There's, really, there's literally a, 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 you know, it's an image of him coming into your life, to the deepest part of your life. And, and you know, we need to be reminded that Jesus, he doesn't come into our hearts, he doesn't come into our lives as a consultant, Right? And, I, and I heard a guy say that when Jesus comes into our lives, he comes in to take over. Right? When he comes in, it's like he comes in with lots of tools, 
uh, uh, because he is there, because he's, he's the one that made you, that knows you, that loves you. He knows what he made you for. And when he comes into your, to your life, he goes to work. That planet, you know, he goes to work forming and changing and molding you and I into the people that he's always intended us to be. And, and he's not doing this just because he's, you know, he's, he's just this bossy, I want to, you know. He's doing it because he loves us. And he makes, you know, he gets in there and starts moving stuff around and changing, etc. because he knows what's best for you. He knows what will truly satisfy us and, and fulfill us in this lifetime. But again, look at our culture. You know, uh, I said this earlier, we, you know, we're trying to guard our kids from struggle, from anything that would upset them. It seems that many kids are being raised these days with a, with a mindset or an understanding that the world revolves around them right that that society that even god exists to fulfill their every need right to fulfill their dreams that their happiness is top of the list right them getting what they want but see god knows that our true happiness is not found in us always getting our way matthew eleven twenty eight says then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Right? God is our helper. He wants to come alongside. He knows we're just not built to carry all the burdens and struggles. Let me take your burdens. I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. But, but where is that rest and that peace found? Doug, you want to throw up this picture? Boop. There. That's a yoke, right? I'm not a farmer, but I, but I, right? But see, that peace, that rest, that, you know, that, that sense of, that burdenless life is found in one of these. When you say yes to Jesus, you're called to one of these. Right? You're called to Jesus on one side and you <coughs> on the other side. And he's in charge. He's the one that sets the tone. He's the one that sets where, you know, the, the, the destination. Right? He's in charge. So how do we model that to the next generation? How do we walk that out in front of them? Well, you know, I said earlier in their talk that when we say yes to Jesus, it's not just me and Jesus, right? We say yes to the, to the greater family of God. And, and, and what I mean by this is there's like there's a, a lone ranger disciples uh, are easy pickings for the enemy, right? It's not just you and Jesus. You're called to the, to the you know, the, the greater family. And so how do we model this? Uh, we model this by putting value on community and accountability. How do we model that God is in charge? By putting value on community and accountability. And what I mean is by community, it's making church, making small group uh, a priority, making it a necessity. Like tell me, when, you, when we gather together every weekend, right, whatever service you go to, or if you're in a small group, whatever small group you go to, are you not encouraged and reminded about these truths that God is with you? Right? You're never alone. God is, you know, he's for you. He's your helper. I mean, are you not encouraged in all those things? 
right? We need to put ourselves in a place where we're reminded of the truth. Uh, uh, so community, putting a value on accountability for our own protection, having someone that we open the doors of our life with, someone that can say to us, no. Someone that can say to you, stop. What you're doing is wrong. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your family, right? Let me, let me ask a question. How many people here would say that within this community, you have someone that if you started making just unhealthy choices in your life, right, that that person would lovingly get in your face uh, and tell you to stop it? I mean, who here would say you have that in this community? Put your hands up real high. Like, seriously, put, like, that amazes me. It was the same last night of how many people, like, we can stop the message now. No, we won't. But that is, that, that is walking it out. See, as we walk out uh, uh, the value of community and accountability, we have authority to turn to the next generation and call them to the same thing. You don't just run off and do your own thing, right? You need to be safe. Stay, you know, like with the herd. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Right? Whoever submits to that yoke, whoever you know, submits to God's leadership in their life is joyful. And calling our kids to community, calling them to accountability, not ignoring them when they're making bad choices, but pressing in, you know, lovingly getting in their faces is such an expression of love for the next generation. Okay, number four. Uh, God's with us. Uh, God's our helper. God is in charge. Number four, God's way is the best way. And you know... Uh, I remember years ago, this is back in Canada, we were, uh, uh, we were younger then, because it's years ago, but we, you know, we had two little boys, and, and I remember we had this couple from our church, they came to us after, after a service, and they said, hey, we'd love to get together with you and Helen, because we have a business, uh, just a, a business opportunity that we'd love to share with you. Well, I was younger, and I didn't really know about like multi-level type things, and so I said, yeah, that'd be great, come on over. So they come over and they're, you know, as friendly as can be. And, you know, he's, him and I are sitting at the table talking. His, his wife is with, with Helen in the kitchen and she's, you know, demonstrating all these products and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's all going great. And, and uh, uh, he's laying out for me at the table all this money that I can make. And it's just, just a, you know, it's just a small bit of time each week. And you can, right, and he's just laying it all out. But, you know, like any time something like that happens, there comes the point where it's sort of... Uh, do we make you know do we have a deal here or not right and we came to that point in the conversation and, and things quickly started to sour when I looked at him and I said oh hey now that's great but I'm not interested not interested and and his whole literally his countenance sort of changed right I guess because he realized he didn't have a sale but then he turned and he sort of gestured towards our boys and he looked at me and he said uh, don't you want to have something don't you want to have money to, to give to your kids one day? Like, don't you want to have something, money to, to, to give them one day so that they can be successful in their lives? You know, and I remember as he said that, something sort of stirred inside of me, and I won't tell you what my first thought was, <clears throat> but, but what I said to him is, you know, I said, well, of course. I mean, do I want to have some money to give to my kids one day? Of course I do. 
But, but uh, more importantly, I really want to give them Jesus. More importantly, I, you know, I want to leave to my kids an example of someone who really believed that God was with us. I want to leave for my kids an example, someone who really believed that he's our helper. And he'll come alongside in whatever you're going through. I want to leave an example for my kids that God is in charge. And if you'll submit, you know, get in that yoke and stay in that yoke. If you'll submit to his leadership, you'll discover that God's way really is the best way. And I can remember saying to him, if I do that, if I get, you know, give that to my kids, then I will have been very successful. There's the door, right? Let's go play hockey. No, but, it, <clears throat> but here's the thing. You know, what are we passing on to our kids, to our spiritual kids? Uh, Mark uh, 8, verse 35, Jesus said this, If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Right? What are we, what are we communicating? And again, not just with our words, in the way we live our lives. What are we communicating to the next generation about, uh, about you know, the, the picture of success in this life? Is it all about money? Is it all, well, you better, you know, you better get straight A's and you better, you know, uh, get a, get, pick a career where you're going to make at least six figures, excuse me, at least six figures, because statistically, you know, the way the economy is going, you won't be able to retire until you're like 94, or it's like, I mean, is it all about the money? Is it all about position, right? You got to keep fighting and pushing your way up the ladder. Is it all about, you know, uh, uh, achievements, awards, sports? Is it about physical looks? Is it about... You know, one-upping the next person. Like, you better stay one step ahead of that guy or that girl. It's like there's this, it's like there's this global competition going on, right? And there's only four, you know, the, you know, there's only so many cookies in the cookie jar. And you better fight, you know, so that you get a cookie. And, but do you realize that, that adolescent anxiety disorders are going through the roof? Kids, kids are stressed out. What are we teaching them? What are we modeling about success in this life? I, uh, you may have heard of a guy, uh, <clears throat> he's passed away now, but a brilliant guy, uh, Dallas Willard, a Christian author. I recommend all his books, uh, anything that he's done. He's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. But you may not know that he was also the, prof- uh, the professor of philosophy uh, for like 40-some years at USC, University of Southern California. And here's this guy, you know, over all these years of teaching, you know, thousands of, of high-achieving kids coming through his class. Listen to this quote that he said. He said, I often tell people I can give them one verse that is worth more than any college education. And it is Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says this. Study this book of instruction, the Bible, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, am I saying that college is a mistake? Of course not. Am I saying that, you know, really going hard after a goal, that that's, that's wrong? Not saying that at all. 
But what I am saying is, is are we submitting our plans to God? Right? As, as we come alongside the next generation, are we putting as much time and energy into campus visits as we are into visits to the presence of God? To just come before Him. Right? For our kids, for our spiritual kids. You made them. What do you say? What's, what's your plan for them? God, you need to speak to us. You need to lead us. What, what, you know, what, what have you always intended them to be? And I wonder, and tell me if this makes sense, how many pastors and missionaries will be sitting in cubicles next week at some major corporation totally bored and dissatisfied with their job because they put dollars ahead of God's plan? Does that make sense? See, God is in charge. Or sorry, God's way is the best way. So how do we, just wrapping up here, how do we model that? How do we walk that out, uh, 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 you know, in front of the next generation? And, you know, when we talk about God's way is the best way, to discover that, wouldn't you say or wouldn't you agree, really it takes time to discover that. And, and what I mean is, it's, you, uh, you may have heard this this uh, quote before, this uh, from Eugene Peterson, where it's this whole thing of following Jesus, it's, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's as we continue walking with him that we discover, you know what? Your way really is the best way. And so how do we model that? How do we walk that out? Well, we, we, we model number four by persevering in one, two, and three. As the older generation, whatever influence you have, as a parent, as a grandparent, aunt, uncle, coach, teacher, whatever it is, we set out each day to nurture a daily walk with a God that we believe is with us, right? To model that. We, we, uh, as, as we live our lives, we're constantly turning to the one who is our helper. That, you know, his number is the first number we call. We're constantly running to him. Uh, Being relentless with ourselves about community and accountability. Like having people in our lives to remind us that God is in charge. And then as we do that, again, it's just inviting the next generation to come and walk that journey with us. That's family discipleship. So here's how we're going to end off. We have some visitors this morning. Uh, We're going to do a really cool thing. And Mary Jo, you can start walking the kids around. I've asked Mary Jo, we're bringing all our kids in. Well, not all of them, but first graders and up. And if you're here in the service, if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler or you're in college or if you're in your 20s, we want to, as the older generation, we want to bless you today. So what we're going to do, and this was just a blast last night, we're going to have the kids come and just sort of spread out across the front. And are there any uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers here? And I see other kids. If you want to join, yeah, join in, you guys. You're, okay, so middle schoolers, high schoolers, if you're in your uh, college or in your 20s, do you want to stand up right now and just spread out around the room? There you go. Be brave. This won't hurt, I promise. Okay, so just spread out around the room. You have to move. <laughs> hey. So here's the thing, uh, if you, and yeah, you might, but you have to move out from your chairs, okay, like spread it around so people can get to you. Here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to end the service off, and kids, you're going to have to spread out a little bit more because people are going to want to get close to pray for you so, you can, so you need some space between you and the person beside you, but what we want to do is we want to bless the next generation, and just a simple prayer of just coming, you know, putting a hand on, on their shoulder 
and just saying, you know, God bless them to know that you're with them, that you're their helper, that you're in charge. And if they, you know, as they submit to you, as they follow you, that they're going to discover that your way is the best way. All right, so that's going to, that means the rest of us are going to have to pray. And if you're visiting today, you're, you're welcome to join in. But what I ask for the kids, kids, your job is just to, when the person comes to pray for you, you can just close your eyes if you want to open your hands, but you just listen to what they pray, okay? And I, you know, and I understand with the kids, the prayer time might go a little shorter, but I want to encourage you with our uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers, 20-year-olds, uh, as you pray for them, take some time. If God speaks to you, if he gives you a picture or, or a word for them, prophesy over them. So does that make sense what we're going to do? Yes, why did I come today? Okay, so the rest of you need to stand up. So as, uh, Pam uh, and Chris are going to lead us in a song. So you know what? You don't have to go to your own kids. Just if the kids, you know, stand out to you, just go up to that child and just start praying for them. And again, kids, your job is just to close your eyes and listen and let them pray for you, all right? Okay, so, and I'll keep an eye on how things are going. Let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them. So I know there's, over here, there's, and again, uh, 20-year-olds, Make sure you move to the sides, okay, so we know who you are. So we'll just take a little bit of time, and then we'll, then we'll end off the service. Oh.
Well, Lord, that's our, that's our prayer that you would pour it out, Lord. And all these kids, teenagers, or the, the next generation, that you would pour out uh, your love, that you'd become more real, just a, a, a sense of your presence. And we just bless all the seeds that you're planting right now. I just think of, of uh, Paul talking to Timothy, and he said, Timothy, fan into flame the gifts uh, that you receive by the laying on of hands. We just bless all the gifts, all the callings, all the plans you have uh, for all these kids, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege, uh, you know, as, as we walk with you, the privilege of being able, being able to turn and look behind us and to, to, uh, to reach out to the next generation. Lord. Whether it's a child in our own home or just a stranger that we just have one one conversation with or that we could bless that we could uh, just point them to you with our words but more importantly Lord with our actions with how we live our lives Lord I just confess change me Lord make me more like you that, that, that my life that our lives would, would literally be like a signpost pointing to you pointing to the truths about just of who you are Thank you for today. Thanks for your presence. Thanks for all uh, that you that you're doing and have done. In Jesus' name. Amen.